No, I didn't think you were disagreeing with me at all. Okay. Because, so, you know, I don't like to cry in public, so. I know. We get we get in some pretty <laughs> tough arguments here on, a, on this podcast. Yes, that's right. <laughs> it's possible that the reason you feel uncomfortable at a church is because your theology maybe needs to be questioned. And the thing is, we're designed by God to live in community. And part of that is the community of faith. Welcome to Living Beyond Your Memes, where we try to help Christians get beyond talking points and pat answers and engage the world around us the way Jesus did. I'm your host, Brian LaCroix, and I'm joined by my good friend, Josh Lateral. In this episode, we're talking about Wizard of Oz Christianity, part one. Ooh. Yes. Yes, indeed. We'll get more into it in a little bit, but it's uh, an idea I got from a message I was reading while I was doing some research for a message a million years ago. And I can't remember where I got it from or I'd give the guy credit for it, but uh, we're going to do this in four parts and, and we'll talk about each one during the four week period. So Sounds good. And it's very exciting because, and appropriate, mm-hmm. because for those who don't know, Aberdeen, South Dakota is the former home of L. Frank Baum. Indeed. And so he Indeed. took some inspiration actually from his time here and worked it into the story. So we've got yes. a nice little connection in our community to the Wizard of Oz. Indeed. And his home is still standing and occupied by people. And so, yeah, yeah. Pretty he was cool. a newspaper editor here while he's during his time here. That's right. Josh, what you've been up to lately? Uh, well, I've been traveling actually. I uh, kind of did a little tour of the state of South Dakota, spent some time in the Black Hills and then in Sioux Falls for both vacation, business and pleasure, and then cool. returned uh, safely and in one piece. So that's awesome. fun. And I'm actually uh, going to be heading out again soon for a little camping trip with my daughter. So I'm oh looking my. forward to that. Mm, some bonding time. Hopefully. Yep. Yeah. Good heart to heart communication. <laughs> that's the idea. Mm, all right. Nothing like <laughs> sticking two people in the woods by themselves to that's right. force good communication. So, right. Yeah. Not really roughing it, but semi roughing it. Mm-hmm. We're staying at a KOA. So it okay. can't be. Well, those are pretty they, cool. They, they feed you, you know, pancakes in the morning. You're not really. Oh, really? Not at the one I stayed at last what? time. Yeah, you I know. picked the wrong one, man. Well, actually, I mean, if I would have paid money for it, maybe they would have. You know, it wasn't like a continental, you know, the hot breakfast at I, I Super think 8. I think they're included. You really? show up and get these giant head-sized pancakes. and Dang. Yeah. I have to find out which KOA you're staying at. The one in Colorado Springs didn't do that. They even have horse riding at our KOA. It's wow. It's kind of a extra special one. Dang. I mean, you do have to pay extra for that. Right, but, but still. at least it's available. Yeah, exactly. Cool beans. All right. Well, we're going to have a conversation after the- Oh, I see. Okay. I see. All right. <laughs> if you want to know where I'm staying, I'm not going to tell you on this podcast, but right. feel free to <laughs> hit me up via email later. There you go. There you go. Cool. Well, I'm having fun right now. My oldest daughter and her family are in town. My army captain's son-in-law is being- transferred to Washington, D.C., where he will be attending grad school at Georgetown. So while they are trekking from Washington State to Washington, D.C., they are spending a couple of weeks uh, here in Aberdeen. So I'm getting to see my grandkids, and that's kind of fun. So we're having having a good time with that. Very cool. Yeah. Yeah, I'm pretty excited. And uh, I came across another podcast that I'm just loving. It's called Unbelievable with a question mark at the end. Unbelievable question mark. Yes. It's a great Christian apologetics webcast, but it's not just your typical, here's how to meet objections to the Christian faith. It's great interviews and debates 
between atheists, Christians, agnostics, and Christians. It's really great. And it's a moderated live debate on whatever issue. Bart Ehrman has been on a couple, three times uh, debating Christian apologetists. Uh, apologists recently, they had a lady who detransitioned and just talked about her journey to both sides of that. But they have not Christians on talking about things. And it's, it's really great. It's a British podcast. But um, uh, most of the guests I've heard so far are American. Interesting. I think I heard that guy. And in fact, wasn't he interviewed on the Truth Over Tribe podcast recently? Yes. Okay. Yes. And uh, yeah, yeah, I went, I started to go down that rabbit hole, but I haven't listened to any of the uh, the interviews uh, past or present yet. Yeah. So yeah, really great. Really great. I'm really enjoying it. So that's another diversion for me. So <laughs> great. But uh, I'm really enjoying that. I've really only become a podcast kind of guy in the last couple of years or so. So welcome to the party, pal. Yeah. Yep. Yep. I'm kind of behind the curve, but having a podcast kind of helps that a little bit because you want to listen to see what other people are doing, learn how to do things better and just hear what other people are doing and maybe pipe in on some of those subjects. So we'll see you from there. Sounds cool. Cool. Well, let's jump into our topic today. I'm really curious to yes. see what we get prepared so, for us. As I mentioned, I got the idea for this from a message that I was reading while I was researching another message. And uh, the pastor said, I think he said along the lines of, in America, we have Wizard of Oz Christianity. No brains, no home, no heart, and no courage. Oh, and, that's uh, a scathing rebuke of yes. American Christianity. And I don't remember if he said that's what it is or that's what we need to avoid. I really don't remember. But uh, boy, I just jumped all over that and put that on our list of possible topics. So today we're just going to take off on that. And part one is we're going to talk about having no home. First of all, let me also say that this is what I see in American Christianity. I can't say this is the case overall around the world. This is just what I observe in American Christianity. And when we talk about having no home, what I mean is there are a lot of Christians who will not affiliate with a local congregation or a body of believers. So I want to start off by reading a passage of scripture. This is Hebrews 10. Verses 24 and 25 are very familiar to people, but I want to include verse 23 because it, it ties in or gives us a key to the context of this passage, and that'll help us a little bit. So this is Hebrews chapter 10, verses 23 through 25. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching. So verse 23 gives us a little bit of the immediate context there, and it's a call to perseverance in the faith. So this passage, verses 24 and 25, isn't just a, quote, go-to-church passage. It's saying that we need other believers in our lives, including in group settings, so that we can have a positive impact on the world around us and to keep our own faith strong until Jesus returns to help us persevere in our faith. And it's not saying, and this is where uh, over the years when I've heard people discuss this, it's not saying we need to have church or attend church every week. Um, I've seen people use this to say, this passage say, no, see, this is saying you need to be in church every week. It's not saying that. In fact, I don't know that I can find a single command in the New Testament that says the church has to gather every week, but it always has. And because, you know, of course, a Jewish faith met every Sabbath. And so this, and Jesus was the fulfillment of all of that. So it just made sense. 
to continue doing that. And I think it's great and fine. You know, I'm going to push back on that a little bit just because I've had some conversations with older Christians in our church Mm -hmm. and they've expressed how little our church meets relative to how often it met even when they were kids. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So, you know, a generation or two ago, and, and I don't know what your experience was, but it was very common for a church to get together for Wednesday, oh, yeah. Saturday, Sunday, sometimes Sunday night, mm-hmm. not mm-hmm. just once a week, right? but multiple times a week mm-hmm. regularly. And a good chunk of the congregation would do that. It wasn't right. just, you know, Sunday mm-hmm. school or, you know, youth group on Wednesday nights or something like that. Mm-hmm. It mm-hmm. was, it was multiple times a week. The whole church would get together for various scheduled calendar right things and everybody just did that uh and that is not very i mean that's even less common now than going to church once a week but historically i think the church at least in america at least maybe 100 years ago 50 years ago would meet multiple times a week and that would be normal Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. oh yeah and uh, in fact i grew up catholic so for us it was just sunday mornings and then wednesday night youth groups but when I started going to the Wesleyan Church, it was Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, and maybe a Bible study during the week, a church-sponsored Bible study on campus. So what I mean is that there's I, – I can't see a command from Scripture saying that we have to meet every week. Although here in the U.S., there's pretty much no excuse for not getting together every week. I mean, even if there's no preacher, because you can still gather for prayer and worship and reading – the scriptures together. I mean, that's, that's a common thing and anybody can do that with a small group. You know, some are reading this and saying, yeah, because Jesus said where two or three gather in his name, there he is with us. That's a church verse. And I'm going, no, it's not. Um, that is not a church verse. It's not a fellowship verse. That's a church discipline verse. So, uh, anyway, we're not going to go there, but people have talked to me about this, that you can have church with two or three people because, Jesus said, where two or three are gathered on my name, there am I with them. It is true. He is with every gathering of two or three people. He's also there with you when you're alone. <laughs> and uh, the context of that particular passage is church discipline, not fellowship or church. Anyway, I digress. In other places, it might be weeks or months before a fellowship can gather, you know, simply because of geography or resources or persecution. Right. But when they do meet, a lot of these people will walk for hours and even days ahead of time because they see the value in it. And the thing is, we're designed by God to live in community. And part of that is the community of faith. So any thoughts on that before we continue there, Josh? No, and I wasn't really disagreeing with you. It was just more just the idea of our standards as Christians are sometimes set really low. Oh, yeah. And much lower than, you know, previous generations. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I just wanted to bring bring that out. You know, no, I didn't think you were disagreeing with me at all. Okay. So, okay. So, cause you know, well, I don't like to cry in public. So, you know, I pretended you weren't dis- disagreeing with me. So I know we get, we get in some pretty <laughs> tough arguments here on, a, on this podcast. Yes, that's right. <laughs> I'll leave in a huff and. Yeah. Yeah. You have no idea what editing goes on behind the scenes. Sure. People. So, yeah, poor Aaron. <laughs> Between cutting out the tantrums and the sobbing, you know, it just, it's just pretty messy. Mm-hmm. But anyway, I would agree with you that um, we have lowered the bar. And so I'm certainly not against getting together every week or even multiple times in a week. Our consumer society would say, but wait a minute, what about soccer practice and baseball practice 
and, um, you know, this, that, and the other thing. And I'm not going to get into those arguments about whether your kids should be in sports and all that kind of thing. So we're not going to go there. But my point is that here in America, we can find excuses a lot to not be part of a, a fellowship. There's a really cliche saying that from years ago, but I'm bringing it up here. It says, there's no such thing as a lone ranger Christian. The point being that, um, you know, we're supposed to be in fellowship. We're not supposed to be alone. What people say that forget is that even the lone ranger had Tonto, you know, and uh, he had a companion with him the whole time. And of course he'd send Tonto into town to check out the situation and Tonto would get beat up and then the lone ranger would come in and, you know, make things right. So that happened more often than, you know, probably should have. But we need other believers to be around. Josh, maybe you've heard this too. I can worship God in my bass boat on the lake. I don't need to be in a church to worship God. And that is also true. And I hope you do worship God when you're out in your bass boat or hunting or whatever it is, enjoying God's creation. I love that. But that does not negate our need and God's command to worship together with other believers. So what about uh, church hurt? I've, you know, I have people that are close to me that have gone through some negative experience or another because mm-hmm. of a particular church or a group of Christians that ended up not being healthy or somebody who was controlling or some level of spiritual mm-hmm. abuse. Mm-hmm. And in order to avoid that, you've kind of avoided church, not necessarily right. left the faith, mm-hmm. but don't really want to be put, sort of put themselves in that situation again right. and be, you know, vulnerable. Mm-hmm. That's a great question. Since I have not had that, pers- that experience personally, I can't speak from personal experience, but I, I would say something along the lines of, I think it's okay to take a break. You know, if, if that's your hurt, if you've honestly been hurt like that, maybe you need to take time and heal from that and then check out, you know, if you have some trusted friends who are part of a different fellowship that might be able to take you along. But also with online services nowadays, you can check out any church without ever going. Just about. In fact, I will encourage people that to do that a lot. People say, well, I don't, you know, it's been a long time since I've been to church, you know, or I don't know if I'd like it. And I go, well, here's the website to the church I go to. And I'll even give them uh, your church's um, website and other churches in town and say, hey, check these churches out. You know, you can watch the entire worship service to see if it's something you think you'd like. And maybe that's where a church hurt person might start to just kind of get back into things. But I just don't think... I could find it in myself to beat somebody up for, for not going to church when they've been hurt like that. Just, I don't think Jesus would do that either. You know, I, I think Jesus would generally come along and walk alongside them, lift them up, support them, you know, and maybe introduce them little bit by little bit. You know, I'm not sure, but that's a great question. I, I wouldn't want to force somebody like that to, to attend a congregation or try to guilt them into that. That wouldn't be good. I think that even if you were, Taking a break from church, I don't think that you should take a break from fellowship. Right? And yes. that's not necessarily the same thing. Right. Because you can still find a few mm-hmm. believers that can encourage you to get together with regularly, even mm-hmm. while you're, you know, healing or you haven't found the right church yet or you want to make mm-hmm. sure that, you know, sure you're in a good place. Yeah. And right? you may find others sharing the same struggle, mm-hmm. you know, who may be able to walk with you walk along and, and just weep with you, you know, and. So I hope that's the case. And if anybody's part of our audience in that situation, boy, if you want to email us, we'd be happy to pray for you, you know, and pray with you. And even if you wanted to get together for coffee or just to share 
you know, the hurt you've had, we'd love to listen and pray with you and, and come alongside you on that. So good question. Good question. I've listed some ideas here, or I should say not some ideas, but some advantages, you might say, or some things that you gain from being part of a church fellowship or of a congregation, particularly. That's I'm, I'm, When I say fellowship, in this case, being part of a fellowship, I mean part of a congregation. Uh, and I'm using the word fellowship here because some people are sensitive to the, if I say uh, being part of a church, because some people say, well, every Christian is part of God's church. And I believe that. I believe in what's called the universal church. Others are like, nope, Jesus invented the local church. So there is no such thing as a universal church. It's just the local church. I'm like, whatever. Okay. I want you to be part of a place, if you can, that meets regularly for worship. Okay. And to look at the scriptures. Okay. That's what I'm trying to say here. Anyway, there's some advantages. There are some blessings and benefits. Some are right from the passage that we're looking at. It helps us to hold unswervingly to the hope we profess because we have people who are doing the same thing. We they come alongside this. Being part of a congregation helps us for the spring on toward love and good deeds. We have other people who can encourage us and be with us as we try to have a positive impact on the, on the world. There's that encouragement to persevere. There's accountability. One of the things that a church family can offer you is they can sometimes come up to you and say, did you really mean to do that or say that? Or, you know what? Um, that probably wasn't the best thing to do right there. You know, or, you know, you're struggling with something. Maybe it's uh, an addiction or, or a certain sin. And you have shared that with these people and they can come alongside you and say, how's that going, man? Yeah. You know, how are you really doing? Yeah. Right. And, uh, you know, they don't have to call you out in front of the church. I hope they wouldn't, but just to come along and say, Hey, you know, I've been praying for you about this, or, you know, you, you told me you were struggling with this. How's it coming? Is there anything I can do to help you with that? And sometimes that accountability kind of gets in your face a little bit. I say, Hey, you said you're going to do this, but I haven't seen that happening. You said you'd, you'd quit talking down to your wife in front of the church, you know, or whatever, or that you'd quit whatever it is. And I just watched you do it. So accountability is a good thing. Support during the rough times. You know, we just talked about people going through struggles and stuff. At the church I attend, one of our pastors is an addiction counselor. In fact, and, and one of the other people in our church is an addiction counselor. And so some of their clients stuff will attend our church once in a while. So most churches will have somebody who's messed up. Maybe most, uh, most people are messed up is what I meant by that. I know I am. And there's times when I need to lean on somebody. You know, if I'm going through something, I need to be able to reach out to a friend and say, man, if I'm going through this struggle, I could use your prayer and, and I could use your help. And I've got a really good relationship with my pastor and he's really good about doing that too. And he's very good also about accountability. You know, just how's this going, Brian? How's that going? It was either last year or the year before I lost two brothers in one summer, two stepbrothers. And it was like, oh man. And then two months ago, I lost my mom and my church family was right there. Boy, do you need something? What can we do? What can we do for your family during this time? Yeah, I love that. So uh, it also, you also get rejoicing during the good times. It's great to have other people to share good news with and who will say, man, that's exciting. Maybe it's the birth of a child or somebody in your family coming to know Jesus or you had a great accomplishment at work or you got a raise or uh, maybe a, a relationship got reconciled or whatever. Other people can rejoice with you with that and be excited and praise God with you. In a church capacity, you can give and receive the generosity of God's family. 
That's exciting. Times in my life when my family has been the direct beneficiary of God's blessings financially through my congregation. And uh, I didn't ask for it, didn't know it was coming, but God's people said, hey, here you go. And uh, it was great. You, know? you also get uh, another advantage is teaching of the word of God, the scriptures. Here in America, in most Protestant Christian settings, we have a pastor who preaches, and that's a good thing. Not every church has to do that. Um, I don't think Quakers have a preacher necessarily. I think they have a pastor, but a lot of times they meet and um, they just sit and they'll wait to see if somebody has a word from the Lord. But when you have teaching of the word, you have you have an opportunity to hear somebody give you insight and wisdom to the scriptures that can help you become more like Jesus. And that's always a good thing. And alongside that, being part of a family of God gives accountability to that teacher as well. So because uh, the Bible says teachers are going to be held at a stricter judgment for the Lord. So, uh, and if somebody is hearing something that may not be quite right, then they can go to that pastor and say, hey, uh, is that right? Is that what you meant to say? And that kind of thing. So there's some accountability there as well. And then there's, there's other advantages, but here's one more. There's opportunities to serve in ways that can be greater than individual efforts. As an example, and Josh, maybe we talked about this on our podcast when we had Keith Simon on as our guest here from the Crossing Church in Missouri. They decided they wanted to do something about medical debt in their county. And so they took an offering. They they figured if they could raise $200,000 from their congregation, they had it worked out with a medical debt collection agency, collection agency or something. Yeah. To pay off uh, a ton of debt. I can't remember what it was. It was just, well, they ended up raising over $430,000. And that paid off, get this, and I'm not exaggerating, it paid off $50 million of medical debt all through that part of Missouri. It helped over 42,000 families. That's incredible. Yeah. And that's a collection that's just one congregation in Columbia, Missouri getting together and saying, we want to help poor people or people below a certain income erase their medical debt. And it didn't matter who they were, what they were. We knew they had medical debt. We're paying it. That's a whole lot further than my personal check would have gone. Yeah. So there are opportunities. And, and Josh, maybe there's some other advantages of being part of a congregation that I've missed or that you would want to chime in or maybe that you've experienced. Um, no, I think a lot of what is on my mind. You, you mentioned, I know that our church and I'm sure your church too gets together and does things for the community that yes. you wouldn't be able to do just on your own, mm -hmm. um, whether it's ministry or some kind of fun event for the community, whatever mm -hmm. it is. Also that accountability and uh, the idea of talking through and wrestling through difficult parts of scripture together mm -hmm. and not just, you know, on your own or reading somebody that you know, it's, it's so easy to sort of, I don't know, watch a, a YouTube video that seems mm -hmm. to make sense of a particular passage and it could be totally wacky, right? but you might not know that. And to have other people who are like, well, what about this? Or, you know, mm -hmm. I, I heard mm -hmm. that, you know, that particular YouTube YouTuber that you're listening to is a little flaky and here's yeah. why, and here's some of the other stuff he said, and I'm not right. so sure you should take everything he says at face value, that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And those kind of conversations are really healthy and it, it keeps us from going into error or uh, getting more confused about scripture. And, and, and right. ideally 
um, if the Holy Spirit is working through those people in that congregation, it will draw you closer to the truth and not get you farther away. So, right. Well, and I think part of it is that a lot of people see church as an institution, but it's much more accurately described as a family. We are brothers and sisters in Christ because of our relationship with Jesus. So if we can get past the institutional aspect of things and just realize that I'm going to go to a setting and I'm going to be with my brothers and sisters in Christ who love me, who want the best for me, who walk alongside me in this journey to follow Jesus better, then I think that can strip away some of the um, maybe hesitancy that some people have. Yeah. And unfortunately, it's one of the things I left off on my notes here is just, I don't know why I did, just didn't catch this, but to me, my church family is a true family. They, yeah. they love me, you know, and I love them. I know we're in a kind of an era of anti-institutionalism or, or people mm -hmm. just generally being very suspicious of institutions, whether it's the government or mm -hmm. uh, big tech or big pharma or um, churches. Right. Um, denominations, particularly. Yes. Historical denominations. I think that people are just suspicious mm -hmm. and tend to look down on institutions as, as a rule by, mm -hmm. by default almost. Mm -hmm. uh, and there are certainly lots of institutions that are flawed or corrupt or mm -hmm. need help or, or could do better. Yeah. Um, but there are lots of individuals that are in that same boat. And I don't think that, you know, institutions are, are human and they're made up of people. Right. Yeah. Um, and there is a lot of value in the sort of the historical institutions of, of Christianity and, mm -hmm. and a church that's maybe been in your uh, town for a couple hundred years. Absolutely. I mean, think of, think of the, like the generational wisdom and knowledge that's there that, mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. that you can draw from. And if it's a healthy church that you could, uh, learn from and grow as a, as a Christian, mm -hmm. um, that you don't want to just throw out just because it's, it's an institution. Right. Right. And different congregations obviously are different even within denominations. Sure. So not every Southern Baptist church is going to be the exact same. I attend a Nazarene church. Well, you know, I'm guessing if I went to another Nazarene church, say in Tennessee or California, their doctrinal system might be the same, but how they do worship might be different. Uh, what they accept for dress codes might be different. You know, there's going to be other places where if I don't come in, not necessarily Nazarene churches, but, you know, there's some places if you don't walk in with a suit and tie, then you're not really here to worship. <laughs> I don't know. I haven't been to a church that expects you to wear a suit and tie for mm -hmm. quite a while, unless it's yeah. a funeral or something. Right. And even then, I mean, most funerals seem like they're pretty casual these days. Anymore, too. they are. That's Absolutely. Funny. Yeah. So, you know, if you, especially if you've, been if you've been church hurt, understanding that not all Christian churches are the same, they vary almost literally from block to block. <laughs> you And uh, Christian tradition is pretty huge. Um, there are lots of different traditions within the Christian tradition. Uh, and chances are you'll find someplace that will help you heal even where you're at. So so then there's the, comes the, the question of home church versus house church. These are question, a couple of questions that I've come across over the past few years, not because I was looking at either of those, but just They've come up in conversations. So let me define those very quickly. A house church is basically a bunch of believers that gather in a house. And it could be for a number of reasons. It could be because a church is being planted and they don't have a place to meet yet. 
that's pretty common when church plants could be that maybe um, maybe their building was destroyed, you know, or whatever. But it's to me, I see it's more than one family getting together to worship or meet in a house. But then when I look at home church, I think of that as one family meeting by themselves away from everybody else. Now, I don't know if that's a good dictionary definition, but that's kind of how I viewed those two in the early New Testament. House churches proliferated. They were all over the place. And Paul would would, would often address, hey, say hi to the folks that meet over at Phoebe's house, you know, or whatever. But a home church, in my opinion, feels isolationist. It's come across that way to me in a couple of occasions from talking with people who have formed home churches. It's, it's basically, there is no church that's pure enough for us. And I'm going to address that a little later. So we're meeting by ourselves because the rest of the body of Christ in this town is too corrupt for us. And maybe it's over a doctrinal issue or Bible translation or a social issue that they don't feel is either getting enough attention or if it's getting too much attention. You know, I don't know. So, Josh, any thoughts or experience on on those and well, yeah, benefits actually, or uh, disadvantages? Or it's no? interesting because I actually grew up in a home church. Now, mm-hmm. the I always referred to it as a home church. I think that's what people called it. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was multiple families, and we met sure. in homes. I don't think that they had a pastor. A, you know, different uh, mm-hmm. people took turns teaching, mm-hmm. and um, that's what I remember. Um, so it wasn't just a home, you know, an individual family. It was mm-hmm. a, a group of families. And, you know, to me, that was almost my extended family. I was closer to them than my cousins or mm-hmm. some other friends. Um, so in, in many ways, it was a really positive experience. Cool. At the same time, I do think that there was a an element of isolationism there. And uh, it actually uh, grew over time to the point where my family left because it became in their minds sort of an unhealthy and didn't necessarily start out unhealthy, but it started mm-hmm. to become unhealthy. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it may have been partly because of that, that feeling of isolation or that we kind of are in a sense withdrawing from the world and um, you know, w- we're doing things the right way and nobody else is kind of an idea, mm-hmm. whether that's yep. said yep. explicitly or, or implicitly. Mm-hmm. Uh, I do remember that. Of course I was young. So, you know, right. some of this is, um, just through the eyes of a kid, but it it, it did stick with me. So mm-hmm. I, I hear what you're saying. Okay, cool, yeah. cool beads. And it might be that you have to have one or or the other, just given a circumstance. Maybe there's you know, Lord willing, hopefully never in America where we're persecuted and, and churches are physically closed, so you have to meet in a home or a house. But but in places where it is, China, uh, the Sudan, North Korea. They have to meet in homes. They have to meet in houses. And and sometimes it is just a family. But again, we're talking about America here, the, the U.S. And um, I just want to let people know that I th- it's just my belief that we need to be part of a fellowship that meets with other believers. So I guess I'm, I'm, I'll just flat out say it. I'm not a big fan of home church, if that means that you're pulling yourself away from other brothers and sisters in Christ because there's not a congregation pure enough for you. Um, house churches, that doesn't bother me so much. It really doesn't. If you've got multiple families getting together, you know, and maybe you have a common theology that doesn't match with whatever else is in town. Well, whatever, you know, I'm, I'm not the biggest fan of that, but at the same time, I can't say no. 
I mean, I, I just don't see that that's unbiblical because it's certainly how churches operated in the, in the beginning. So anyway, another question that comes up is when to leave a church. And I don't have a really good answer for that, except, you know, there are times when uh, maybe your church is going off the rails theologically. Maybe, maybe it is, maybe it's becoming cultish, or maybe they are teaching things from the pulpit and in the classrooms that is, you know, contrary to established biblical teaching on things. Um, you know, I don't know what I can give an example of, um, but it also might be you have to leave because it's abusive. You know, maybe you are being hurt and your family's being hurt by this. I know of at least more than one occasion of people I've met since coming to Aberdeen here, of people who have left the church um, that I pastored before I got there because of a former pastor who was abusive to them. But there are times when you may have to leave another fellowship, but you don't want to do that willy-nilly. And if you do that, you need to leave it well. You don't want to leave a church and then right after you leave, you get home and you jump on Aberdeen rants and raves and tell them about how much you hated that church. But there are times to leave. But you should leave for a different church. You know what I mean? You don't want to just leave and quit altogether. That would not be good. And then another question. What if I can't find a church I can agree with 100%? And the answer is give up trying. You're just probably not going to find one. You'll probably never find one. So you need to find one that agrees with you on the essentials. And honestly, you don't have to have a lot of essentials. So you want to make sure that the things that you're agreeing on or disagreeing on are actually essentials, things that impact eternity, like Jesus being the only way to salvation. That's an essential. That the Bible's the word of God from cover to cover, including the maps. You know, okay, maybe not the maps, <laughs> but, but that it's the word of God and it's the final authority. Jesus' physical resurrection. That is an essential that has to be there, uh, but not things like dress codes or political leanings, uh, music styles, whatever. I think that if you can agree on the essentials, then important differences that you might have, things like spiritual charismatic gifts, end times theology, or social issue emphases that they might have differently than you. Those can have a place in the discussion, but not deter you from worshiping and serving together as brothers and sisters in Christ. So essentials are the, are the main thing, mm. you know, and if you can find a place that has the essentials, that is probably a good place to be. I would add that it would be important for you to also understand what those essentials are. Mm -hmm. uh, yes. And it's possible that the reason you feel uncomfortable at a church is because there's something in your life or your theology that maybe needs to be questioned. And this mm -hmm. church is questioning in it. Yes. And you're like, Oh, I don't know. Mm -hmm. They're not, uh, you know, they're making me feel bad about myself. You know, that, uh, that happens too. Right. 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 So, yeah. um, be, be at least open to thinking about why you might be uncomfortable in a particular church. And if mm -hmm. it's because there's something in your life or you're thinking that needs to be reevaluated, that actually might <laughs> Be right. a good place for you to yes, be. Yes, that's called maturity. Yeah, you know, and that's that's a good thing. <laughs> I just want to throw this in real quick. I, yeah. I ran across again. I spend probably way too much time on YouTube, but <laughs> there's a particular channel that I'd like to throw out there. The channel's name is Redeemed Zoomer. Now he's a young guy. He does a bunch of stuff with video games, but he also does some videos that are kind of explainer videos about 
you know, the basics of Christianity or like what the difference in different denominations are and what they agree on, what they disagree on, but does it in kind of a fun, you know, pithy, engaging way. Cool. He, he also advocates for, and this has really actually made me think, advocates for, in a sense, re-evangelizing the mainline churches mm -hmm. or rather than a church or a denomination is starting to get into some theology that you don't think is biblical, doing the harder thing, which is to stay and be mm -hmm. the person that is yeah. um, speaking truth in love in that congregation, maybe even getting involved. Mm -hmm. um, this is not an endorsement necessarily, but the idea is a lot of churches that start to depart from the Bible also start to shrink. Mm -hmm. And when they start to shrink, they are desperately in need of people to teach Sunday school or get involved or sometimes even be an elder. And mm -hmm. it actually creates an opportunity for somebody who is theologically and biblically solid to be an influence in that church in a way. So something I hadn't thought about before, but there's some different ways that you can approach even a church that you might not agree with theologically mm -hmm. 100%. Right. right. And leaving uh, isn't always the only option. Very true. Very true. Good. Well, I think that in most towns of any size, you can probably find a church that agrees with you on those essentials. And if not, then maybe God wants you to plant one. You know, maybe you're in it and maybe it's a smaller town where they don't have an evangelical presence. You know, maybe the Lord is calling you to do that. I don't know. Maybe he is. Uh, maybe he's not. I don't know. I'm not saying he is, uh, but you just never know. But I think if people look hard enough, even if with if they have to drive a little bit, I know people who drive 45, 50 miles each way to church. I'm like, you can't find one a little closer to you that, uh, you know, <laughs> you agree with. Um, I was serving as uh, kind of interim pastor of a church many, many years ago now. And um, one of the candidates that they had, that they were going to look at for this church was from another town. But he was, he was a leader of a house church in a much, much, much bigger town where there were lots of evangelical churches. And one of the district officials basically said, no, you guys can't candidate this guy. I mean, if he can't find one church to fellowship in that town, then he's got the problem. Interesting. It's, and that person ended up not leading that church. But I thought that was a good point. I mean, and and I know the person and I know the uh, the town that he was living in. And yeah. There's lots of great churches in that town, but apparently they didn't agree with him 100% on some issues. So, and that's a red flag uh, for this denomination. And they weren't even worried about him agreeing with the denomination 100%. You know, what was wrong? You know, what was so wrong with every church in town that he couldn't find one to fellowship in? You know, who knows? And was that a house church or a home church? This was a house church. Oh. Yes. He was okay. leading. It was a. It was a house church, but he and the people he was fellowshipping with just didn't feel that this particular town had anything they could be part of. I just think they're being too picky, you know, and well, in fact, that's my next point here that oftentimes people who can't find a church and start their own are, are doing so because they are just being too picky about non-essentials that they see as being essentials. They, they kind of see the difference or don't see the difference between important and essential mm -hmm. or they see important as being essential. Or they have 97 essentials and they, this other place only has 96 of those. And so that 97th one, sorry, we don't match on this one. So it's a no-go. You know, so 
I don't, you know. And I know, is, I know, yeah, I know yeah, what you're trying to say. And the thing is, I used to be that kind of a guy, <laughs> you know, and I, so a part of what I'm sharing here isn't me looking down saying, you know, people who can't find a good church, you know, I used to be the kind of guy who says, you know, if I went to it, uh, well, I've, I've shared my experiences, um, uh, in my interactions with the charismatic movement in the 1980s. And I had a very hard heart toward that. And I would have walked on broken glass to a different church before I'd go to a charismatic church. And that was wrong because we agree with them on the essentials. And we probably agree on 90% of major Christianity, major theology. But I had that one big, what I considered to be an essential, bar me from having great fellowship with wonderful people of God and brothers and sisters. And thank the Lord, he got me out of that mind mindset. <laughs> so, I'm, so I'm coming at this a little bit as somebody who is not necessarily jumped in the whole way on that, but would have a view at one time where I made an important thing an essential. You know, so uh, differences in spiritual gifts and how we view the role of the Holy Spirit, that's important, but it's not essential. So I can easily worship and fellowship at a, at a charismatic church today, and it would be awesome. And some of my best friends go to these churches here in town. So thank God that uh, we have so many options in this town. Well, great, awesome, wonderful Christian fellowship. So we people, really do. Yep, yep, we really do. So maybe what you should do is ask the Lord to help you find a church where you can worship and serve despite the differences on non-essentials. Kind of, kind of what you were talking about a yeah. little bit there, where you can learn to appreciate those differences and maybe expand your learning yeah. about how they came to those differences. Maybe it's maybe it's me who needs to grow a little bit, right, and be right. a little bit less tightly holding on to the non-essentials, right. And that was me. God had to really help me grow in that area. I'm grateful He did. But folks. The thing is, you need a church home. You just do. And I'm not saying that you have to be an official member of a church where you sign a line or take a membership class or whatever, although I think those are valuable because if you're going to be part of a fellowship, membership classes are great ways to really find out what that congregation believes in and values. And that's a great place to find out whether or not it's a good fit for you. But I think it's a good thing to be part of a church and even be a member because it can bring a level of accountability uh, to the faith and obedience to Jesus overall. Because one of the valuable things about being a, quote, signed on the dotted line member is that you are, you, you are officially allowing people to hold you accountable and to come alongside you. You know, and I think that is valuable. I really do. You know, I just, I've gone through the process recently of working for a new company that I hadn't worked for before. And of course the place that you work is important. It's probably not as important as the people you fellowship with. And yet I had to sign all kinds of things yes. uh, just to, you know, take this job and, yeah. you know, work at this new place. And so there's a level of commitment that we're willing to put in for a job or a project mm -hmm. or, a, you know, buying a new car. Oh, yeah. And uh, I had that have that attitude, too. Like, well, if I go here, I'm, I'm a member. Mm -hmm. I don't need to sign a piece of paper to be a member. Mm -hmm. um, but at the same time, there is a certain value in commitment. And right. that's why you do it when you 
or mm-hmm. buying a car or getting a loan or doing whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's not unbiblical to mm-hmm. have church membership or put your name on the roll and mm-hmm. sort of declare publicly that these are the right. people that I, you know, consider to be my church family. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep. So, and it, it also says that I'm willing to be part of this family and willing to serve. And if I need to be served, you know, mm-hmm. because I'm saying that I want to be part of this, this group here that weeps with those who weep and rejoices with those who rejoice and ministers to each other's needs like the early church did. And it's a great way to uh, be part of a family that's that can really be tangibly family as well. I, I don't know if that made sense, but I've just received so many blessings being part of a congregation, sometimes as an official member, sometimes not. But when I've said, this is my home, this is my church home, then uh, that actually just in, in and of itself makes a difference. Mm-hmm. When we say, this is our church home now, then that... Uh, changes my whole attitude toward that congregation. It's like, yeah, okay. you feel responsible. For yes. I'm t- of, kind of taking ownership in yeah, a sense. Exactly. Because, and I'm saying, okay, so now where can I serve? Mm-hmm. And once you have that, you're like, okay, you can go to the pastor. You can go to, you know, some of the other staff and go, you know, this is our church home. Where do you need me? Maybe it's cleaning bathrooms. Okay. You know, <laughs> I hope not. Cause you know, I'm just like the next guy. I'd rather not do that if I don't have to, but my, my family chips in and helps clean the church. Because uh, sometimes that's the need. Anyway, churches come in all sizes, shapes, and styles. There are some really dynamic smaller churches and dynamic medium and big churches. Um, there are some really dead big medium and small churches. And most of it's all in between there. So if you're not in a church, take some time to visit a bunch of different ones to find out what's a good fit. And I find one that is a good fit. And I think in most instances, you'll be surprised and you'll find one that you can be part of. And there's no place like home, is there? Exactly right. There's no place like, thank you, Josh. That You're was welcome. awesome. Just trying to bring it home for you. That was great. That was like, cause I didn't have that way to, what is that? Connect the dots or whatever it is. Uh, bring it home. You said that word. Anyway, that was great. Good job. All right. So we'll finish up with our usual public service announcements here. I I've actually got two of them because I think this first one we may have used once. I'm not sure. Let people know is that Chuck Norris can strangle you with a cordless phone. <laughs> Good. <laughs> yeah, but I have another one is that Chuck Norris can make a slinky go upstairs. Ooh. Yes. That's yep. clever. It is. It is. So, all right. Thanks for being with us next week. We're continuing on in the series. Uh, I can't remember which one we're going to talk about next week, if it's the brain, the heart, or the uh, courage. But uh, Tune in next week and find out, right? Yes, exactly right. Excellent. I'll do the same thing. Thanks, everybody. Take care. Living Beyond Your Memes is a production of Truth Love Media and Discipleship DNA. Editing by EC Productions. If you like the show, please tell your friends and leave a review on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. Get in touch with Brian LaCroix at DiscipleshipDNA.com. Thanks for listening, and we hope to see you in the next episode.